0: Hello, welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. Today's Storyteller is Juida Martinez. She is a PhD student here in Louisiana. She studies brown pelicans, which, and if you follow her on Twitter, are also known as dinosaur floofs. And if you don't follow follow her on Twitter, you definitely should. And should go see videos of dinosaur floofs, AKA baby pelicans, because they're adorable and also very weird, but adorable. Um, I follow Juíta on Twitter and I found her in the first place because pelicans and if you've been listening at all you know I'm a bird person. And so I'd been meaning to ask her to come be on the podcast and then last week Black Birders Week happened and if you missed that you need to just pause this right now and go go read all of it on Twitter or I think it's also on Instagram as well. And there was news articles and everything and it was just amazing and brilliant. And anyway, so that happened last week. Um, It's currently June 11th, so that was last week. And uh, I just, you know, decided I need to get off my butt and get this conversation rolling and finally reach out to Joita and see if she'd be on the podcast, and she was totally game. So, in this podcast, we talk about her research, we talk about coastal wetlands, we talk about black-brown pelicans and how awesome they are, and, uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of things, and we talk about Black Birders Week, and... Um, I really hope I did this justice, and I love talking to juita and I hope that you enjoy this and learn something and if you want to talk about any of this, totally hit me up on Twitter, my handles at Flying Cypress and let's let's keep the conversation rolling so uh any anyway, rate, without more rambling from me, here is my conversation with Juita Martinez, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: Okay, so my
1: name is Juita Martinez, and I was born and raised in a concrete jungle, better known as Los Angeles, California, for 18 whole years. <laughs> uh, and then I ended up moving to Arcata, California, to get um, a degree in zoology at Humboldt State University, and since then, I've been living up and down the West Coast, basically, um, I've lived on the San Juan Islands in Washington where i worked with an endemic uh, butterfly known as the Island Marble Butterfly. And I was basically a butterfly parent. I reared eggs all summer and it was the best job ever (laughs) because the San Juan Islands are amazing. And if anyone ever gets the opportunity to visit, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, And after that, I ended up working as a naturalist for San Mateo um, Outdoor Ed in the Bay Area. And I got to basically hike all day with fifth and sixth graders, teach them about science and teach them about nature and actually show them what I was talking about. And it was definitely one of the best jobs also. Um, Following that, I ended up working for Audubon in Richardson Bay. Um, Tiburon, California and that's what really sparked my interest um, with birds in particular and working for the Audubon was like a dream and I was like you want me <laughs> and I was like 23 at the time and I was like oh gosh <laughs> um, and from then uh, I I really knew I wanted to go to grad school I was pretty sure I wanted to get my PhD and my advisor made a post and was like underrepresented underrepresented groups um, highly encouraged to encouraged to apply. And I was like, well, that's encouraging. I guess I'll apply. Um, and here we are now, two and a half years later. I'm in his lab, and I'm currently working with dinosaur floops, um, better better known as <laughs> dinosaur floops on my Twitter. Probably no one else knows what that means, but I'm referring to brown pelicans, which is the Louisiana state bird and um, my research species.
2: Yeah, dinosaur fluce was the first thing I wrote in the note, actually, because I love that term, because that's exactly what they look like. <laughs> yeah, and I feel
1: like it kind of breaks down the scary, quote-unquote, scariness of pelicans. Be I mean, like, they're just dinosaurs that are floofy. Even when they're adults, they're still floofy. They're floofier oh, yeah. as chicks, but...
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's such a good way to describe it and you're right because it does like make them you know seem less scary to people who think they're scary
1: yeah like for some like people think dinosaurs are super super cool but then they're like pelicans are scary and i'm like wait kind of the same thing modern dinosaurs basically
2: (laughs) yeah birds are basically dinosaurs (laughs) let's be real yeah well that's awesome so uh i like that you got to birds from somewhere else because it's usually the other way around like birds are often the first thing people notice because you know birds are worldwide and that's the first thing I noticed for me it was like a northern cardinal or something when I was a kid like lurking in the bushes like what is that bright red thing I eventually figured it out and was like so excited um so that's how I got into the bird world um so it's cool that you got there from somewhere else just like kind of by accident and have had all these other things that you've done
1: yeah as a kid there weren't any really bright colored birds in my area like we had pigeons i'm sure we had mockingbirds at the time i actually have no idea what we had yeah urban <laughs> so that, birds yeah urban birds basically i never really saw like a bright color bird or anything like that really yeah, yeah. drew my attention to it i was very much into um inverts as a kid <laughs> um i know weird to say following bugs in my backyard
2: oh, it's bugs tangible are cool. bugs are cool yeah, they are. And I, that's way easier to catch than a bird. <laughs> so like you could yeah. touch it or, you know, see it up close.
1: Yeah, and you can always let it go.
2: And yeah. It just, it's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just doing their own thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Uh, I love hearing how people get to wherever they are, you know, just in general. I think that's awesome.
1: Uh, My friends actually make fun of me because for the longest time I was like,
2: no, I'm not going
1: to get into birds. I want to do herpetology. Or Mammalogy, like those are the two that I was very much like dead set on and now they're like ha ha, look at you now, you totally said you weren't gonna do this and I maybe accidentally ended up here.
2: (laughs) I feel like anyone who's like a naturalist or outdoors person ever like becomes a bird person at least a little bit at some point. It's like the natural progression because you can't really ignore them, they're everywhere.
1: And they're loud. These northern mockingbirds yeah. birds in my back, I can't ignore them.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so actually, when we were talk- talking on Twitter the other day, you inspired me this morning to sit outside with my cup of tea and like keep track of the birds I actually heard. I didn't see any birds, but I heard them. And I was like, ah, oh, she's going to be so excited.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes, I am so excited. Like, backyard birding is the best. You can yeah. be in your pajamas. Oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> You don't even have to wash your face. They don't care. Uh, <laughs> Best thing yeah. ever.
2: Yeah, the coolest thing I heard this morning was a downy woodpecker, so that was cool.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of not always sweating. I'm not sure if your audience like completely knows, but we're both from Louisiana, and walking about a quarter of a mile, you're just like drenched, and your yeah. lungs don't know what
2: happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hot out, and I don't want to. <laughs> At least I don't want to more than I have to. Too, because I work outside as you do and so like that's just the necessary evil of doing the cool science right but like I don't want to subject myself to it just you know for funsies
1: oh my gosh I'm the same way I'm like I'm outside in the field all the time when I come back <laughs> I really don't want to be outside anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call myself <laughs> a
2: hermit crab
1: <laughs> like yeah.
2: just stay in my house and not yeah. go anywhere <laughs>
1: It's like 90 today, 90.
2: (laughs) I've been going outside for a while. I was outside till like 7.30 and I'm done till like 7.30. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done with it.
1: I always need like a 48 hour recuperation period where I don't talk to anybody and I'm indoors.
2: (laughs) Dude, I hear ya. Uh, That's funny because like I only have one coworker and she and I go out in the field and she and I are both like on the introverted side of things. But it's and like we get along great. She's one of my closest friends. But it's still like I come home and I'm just like exhausted from being around somebody and also just being in the heat. <laughs> so I'm like, Don't talk to me. I need to just like sit in a corner by myself for a while.
1: Oh wow, you're right. Actually I've never thought about it that way. Like just working with the field crew like for the like eight hour, eighteen hour days sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause we yeah. have to
1: drive all the way down to the coast, which is three hours, and drive back and we're on the boat for
2: hours yeah exactly like and she's great and she's one of my closest friends but it's still exhausting (laughs) Uh, yeah it's funny yeah okay so let's talk about field work so i know you work on barrier islands because i know that that's where pelicans nest um can you tell me which islands yeah
1: so i work on queen Bess, which is located um in grand isle and it was recently restored over the fall and it looks beautiful um please do not get on the island if you don't have a permit because you know get on that
2: <laughs> i feel yeah, like nobody go there for the pelican yeah, sake.
1: don't go there <laughs> you can you can boat around it
2: yeah that's fine
1: <laughs> yeah so from afar bring a pair of your vortex binoculars
2: mm-hmm. yeah bird by boat don't get on the <laughs> land
1: and it looks amazing the pelicans look happy the skimmers and terns that are also nesting on there look awesome i'm not um hip deep in water so um this island prior to restoration was just flooded i would be wading <laughs> through so much i was basically swimming like to get from one end to the other <laughs> yeah yeah i'm so happy that i don't have to be swimming anymore <laughs>
2: yeah i <bet. laughs> yeah because that's not really all that fun and also not that good for uh birds to nest in really so
1: Exactly, go LDWF and their partners for making this happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, Queen the, the restoration of Queen Bess, I feel like is, um, I don't know, if it's a crown jewel really good thing to say about it, except that like, it's like the icon I think that they're using right now because of all the pelicans and other wildlife they're using it and just because it's historically like a really important place for pelicans. So it's awesome that they
0: that this has been completed.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to see where this goes.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's Rachel. I want to talk about Queen Bess for a second because it's awesome. So it was recently restored. I think they finished in like January or February. Um, It was funded by restoration money from Deepwater Horizon Incident, which was in 2010. Um, It's a 36 acre island. It's one of the largest brown pelican colonies in Louisiana. I think it's actually the fourth largest. It's just northeast of Grand Isle in Jefferson Parish. Um, it also supports things like tri herons, great egrets, spoonbills, terns, skimmers, things like that. So all kinds of cool birds nest there. But the pelicans are the important part of this because in the 60s uh, when DDT was still being used and even after it was banned, Um, Birds all over were in decline because DDT impacts their eggs, and then there was very low nest success because eggs kept cracking when the moms and dads would sit on them. So um, pelicans were actually eradicated from Louisiana during that time frame because of the DDT and the failed nesting and all of that. And it was on Queen Bess Island where they first reintroduced brown pelicans um, starting in 1968. So now that it's been restored, it's also, um, it's once again, primary pelican nesting habitat.
1: I also work on an island called Philo Bryce, which is in Terrebonne Bay, and um, that is doing pretty well. It is covered in mangrove, and mangrove set, um, stabilizes the soil. So right now, we're not seeing too much erosion on that island. with the storm that we have coming I'm just crossing my fingers (laughs) um I also work on another island that most people don't know about and that's called Felicity Mm -hmm. I think this storm we have coming might just take out this island um it's inundated with water from the inside as well as from the wave action on the outside so it basically looks like a really really big donut (laughs) right now and I don't think there's any future plans of restoration I wish I could like beg someone to be like restore this island because there's so many pelicans on it but are utilizing it um as a nesting site yeah and um and the last two islands are brandy which has restoration they put um a ton of boulders and really really big rocks basically to surround the island to like cement the land in place and it's actually doing really good last year there wasn't that much mangrove which is the preferred. vegetation for pelicans to nest on because it helps them when it floods they're elevated and there's so much mangrove on this island and i'm so happy i'm like yes mangrove flourish (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) i like went on there because we haven't been able to go out there since march so my first time going back out there was um this past week and the last island is the biggest nesting site um for brown pelicans in coastal Louisiana and that's Raccoon Island. Ah I've
2: been there. Yeah. You have or you have not? I have yeah is cool? yeah Sorry. uh it's not named for that because there's raccoons on it. <laughs> no I have not seen any raccoons no. on Raccoon
1: Island but we did find a skull in February oh. so one made it out there but it did not survive. And well, that's okay. <laughs> yes that is okay it's preferred There is so much, like, so many nutria on the island, though. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, But at least they're not
2: carnivores. So they they tend to go for eggs, though. I can see that. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Well, hopefully, I don't know. Can nutria... This is a dumb question. I don't feel like nutria can't really climb trees. But, I mean, if they're only, like, a foot or two off the ground, then it may not matter. Because nutria are fairly big. Yeah,
1: I don't think they can climb the mangrove, either. And... The birds tend to be really defensive. It was not a human walking around. So they do protect their chicks and their eggs.
2: If I had to pick a winner between a pelican and a nutria, I think I'd pick the pelican.
1: Oh yeah, all day, every day. (laughs) I will say, I know that there's at least 20, if not more. I think there's more, but I've not done a survey (laughs) of the nutria. And I know that they're there, but every time I see one, because I'm so used to being around birds, I like jump every time. I'm like, oh my god, big rodents! Where did you come from? Yeah, <laughs> how did you get you- here? Why <laughs> are you thriving? <laughs> yeah, like, stop thriving! You're eating all the vegetation. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. Yeah, we're trying to like keep the island
2: here. <laughs> I have been to Rat Queen Island because uh, my roommate in grad school uh, studied. Turns and skimmers out in the um, Iles I was Like Chandeliers is the wrong island, Jane, in the Iles Deniers. So she worked on Trinity, uh, Raccoon. I don't remember, there were three of them. I don't remember what the third one was. Um, I mean, I could look up her paper, but I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah.
1: Those are probably it, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Whiskey is huge.
2: Especially since they've done that restoration. I went out there um, to do some bird surveys over the winter, uh, or like might've been last fall, I don't remember. And yeah, it looks amazing
1: it's great (laughs) especially if
2: you're just
1: walking on it and not carrying a ton of gear (laughs) right yeah
2: yeah i mean i was carrying like water and a spotting scope and a clipboard or whatever so yeah (laughs) not not a massive amount of stuff that's awesome yeah so uh, we see pelicans a lot but i don't ever like get to work with them but i love that uh i just i just love that people get to do bird research even though i don't do it i love that people get to do it if you ever want to
1: volunteer and help tag some pelicans you just let me
2: know (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) whenever i'm allowed to you know we're all allowed to go do things um, in a post-pandemic kind of world
1: Uh, i can't imagine how many people field seasons like just abruptly ended because i know mine did yeah Uh, same i'm like salvaging like scraps of data at this point and then storm's about to hit so I'm probably gonna have to resalvage a bunch of data. Yeah. We <laughs> um, really have camera traps out there that are spying on the pelicans for me, and I'm like crossing my fingers that the storm doesn't take them out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wild.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, our field season also was just like we came back from the field like the first Friday or something in March or something like that, and then I was in the office on Monday, and then we were shut down. Like that was the end of it. And I was like, oh, well, we still had half our work left, but I mean, okay, it's just not gonna get done. Oh well.
1: Yeah.
2: That is the upside of having a long-term project like we work on because having a gap in a data set that's 15 years old is not the end of the world. But oh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, I was curious about the islands because, because I work on CRIMS and because all that data goes in the coastal master plan and because we work with CPRA. And all of this, and I knew that there were all these islands being restored, so I was just curious, like, oh, I wonder which islands it is, and I was, I figured Queen Bess was one of them, so that's really cool. Um, Does
1: Crim's, um cover the barrier islands?
2: No, oh, it really? doesn't. Under the big coastal monitoring plan that they have, there is a plan to do some barrier island work, so I think it's like in the works for down the road, but it would be nice if it was also now, because... All the data would be better than you know, not as much data.
1: Right, especially looking at before and after hurricanes, mm-hmm. because the deg- like the degradation is pretty mad. Like I could see it on Raccoon Island before and after Hurricane Barry last year. Like the entire dune was like moved over, and I was like, yeah. oh, that wasn't there before." <laughs> but not many of us go out there.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened when my summer in grad school worked at um, she was primarily at Trinity Island and yeah, it got washed over by Hurricane Gustav in 2008 and it's, I've been out of grad school for a while um, and it was just like a totally different situation, you know, all the sand and everything was just like
1: rearranged
2: it's very weird.
1: Yeah, and coming from California getting a first-hand look at what happens after a hurricane it's It's incredible. Like, I was not expecting that at all. Hurricane Barry was my first ever hurricane.
0: (laughs) Hey, all Rachel here. I want to fact check myself about barrier islands. There is a monitoring program. It's called the Louisiana Barrier Island Comprehensive Monitoring Program. It goes by BICM for short. Um, It is already underway. They did some habitat mapping and aerial photography type work in 2008 and then 2015 and 2016. But the goal of the project is to develop long-term data sets for habitat coverage, shoreline assessments, shoreline position and things like that. And that with the idea to help plan design and maintain the current and any future barrier shorelines because they're they're very dynamic and ever-changing system. So it's called BICM and there's a paper that just came out in 2020 um, that's all about this program. And I will share it on the podcast Facebook page. So you can book it over if you would like. Um, so yeah, so back to my conversation with Juita.
1: And I have really great footage of, because um, most of my camera traps survived, which I don't know how that happened. But you can see like right before the hurricane hit and like during it just floods and the pelicans are flooding with it. Like they just float And then they float back down. And I'm like, what? Genius dinosaur floops,
2: team birds
1: all day, every day.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, I don't know what I thought they would do during a storm, but I don't know if I would have thought that. I would have thought they just like relocate and come back. But that's really cool.
1: Yeah. So a good chunk, like a good majority of the chicks out there right now do not have their fly feathers.
2: So they have
1: to hunker down.
2: Yeah, hopefully there won't be a massive amount of storm surge, and hopefully they'll be okay.
1: Yes.
2: Um, Luckily, it's a tropical storm this time around, and hopefully then we won't get anything else until they've fledged and are off doing important pelican things.
1: I know, that's always the hope. I'm like, please fly, fly far.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for real. Yeah, I know, and there's, um, you know, all the shorebirds that nest at, or, you know, the Wilson's Slovers and terns and stuff that nest, like, in Cameron Parish. Ugh. I yeah. don't want them to get washed away either.
1: My friend,
2: um, Sarah Bollinger, I don't know if you know her. I don't know her. She works
1: out there on yeah. the, yeah, on the terns.
2: Yeah, I, I'm gonna say I know Katie Barnes, who also does that, so maybe they work together. Yeah, uh, they work together. <laughs> I, say, I say no Katie Barnes, and the fact that, like, her episode of this podcast will be out next week and that's the only time I still ever talked to her. But <laughs> um I'm fangirling. She invited me
1: to go out and like volunteer with them and I'm like, uh fangirling over Katie Bart. That's awesome. Audubon, what? I don't know. <laughs> know. I love
2: Louisiana Audubon. Everybody I know that works for them is amazing. Yeah. Um guy guy, i used to work for when i was in college and he was in grad school is now like one of you know the higher ups and he is amazing and i'm like i just want to work for you again can i do that
0: <laughs> like, Yes.
2: Yeah. i know talking to you and all the stuff that's happened this last week like makes me want to go birding again which is like the first time in 10 years i've had that that urge uh yeah so you're pretty good on it as- i know i am you bonnet neck.
1: on it Matt. Natural
2: part. Is I think just call it Blue Bluebonnet Swamp. I don't know what its official yeah. name is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to like, <laughs> like, yeah. what is it called again? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty big.
2: Yeah. I know where my binoculars are, so that's important.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pick it Inoc- back up. Everyone just getting into birding. I mean, I think especially right now since we're still supposed to be quarantining or and mm-hmm. social distancing um yeah. outdoor spaces have just become extremely important especially to like mental health and just to like decompress mm-hmm. and bring like, a really good way to do that and just get a quick dose of nature
2: yeah for sure and just like being of seeing a pretty colorful bird is always nice just yeah, add to that
1: all the prothonotary I don't know why. I cannot say that word. <laughs> I am I, sorry, everyone who is listening to this. You can laugh at me if you want. I'm laughing at me. <laughs> All of those warblers are out. I keep seeing them.
2: <sighs> They're one of my favorites. I see them when we're on the field sometimes. You just see like a flash of yellow fly by. I'm like, oh it was a proponentary. <laughs> Even so if cute. I'm not sure.
1: If I just see a ton of yellow, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're the most yellow one we have that would be like out in, you know, watery areas. Um there's one um, at
1: Lake Martin that is not shy. It
2: <laughs> follow you.
1: And I'm like, we don't have food for you. I hope no one else does either. But there is one at Lake Martin <laughs> every time.
2: That's really funny. That's like really unusual behavior for a warbler yeah. of any kind.
1: <laughs> I was able to get so many photos of it because it just kept hanging around. It followed us down the trail.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. weirdo (laughs) the bird I mean (laughs) but also adorable because they're beautiful yeah (laughs) I actually saw some people from Louisiana Audubon last week when I was at in the field, like we passed them and I was like oh they're going to do bird stuff (laughs) that's cool I wish I was doing that instead of what I'm doing but you know it's like birding from the boat yeah
1: it's always fun when you know someone else is also in the field because we normally see anglers and all the fishing cruises and i'm like wait that person does not have rods on their boat they must be doing field work too we'll yeah stop together
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and i actually it was uh i don't know if you know katie percy it was her and i went to college with her she works for louisiana audubon she does a lot of the personatory stuff um and we passed and i was like oh that wasn't so-and-so like somebody i thought it might have been but i had my buff pulled up and so i was like totally unrecognizable you know and like 10 seconds later I was like oh that was Katie Percy and so I messaged her and I was like hey was that you not to be a creeper but I, it was me in the boat with the buff Uh so it's just cool to like see people doing science out in the field in general whether you know them or not it's just awesome
1: yeah and we're all always wearing buffs because
2: we need it <laughs> yes I know I I have like you know, big sloppy hat for where we're not moving, and then, like, my buff and my sunglasses and long sleeves and long pants. I'm just like, God, none of these in the sun. This is perfect. <laughs>
1: yes, I got some questions about that. They were like, why are you fully dressed? Like, not a single part of you is showing. And I'm like, listen, Louisiana heat and sun is a different beast for people who are not familiar with this area. <laughs> yeah, yeah get away with it in California without like wearing a buff or anything and like in a t-shirt totally
2: (laughs) yeah I find that uh because I'm so sweaty because it's so humid that it's easier to just wear long sleeves and try to like put sunscreen on sweaty skin because that's just not fun (laughs)
1: 100% agree like sunscreen does not stay on there's no no chance but if, if someone out there wants to create some bomb sunscreen we'll test it out
2: yeah Yeah, that would be great and also maybe like not burn while i'm sweaty because that would be nice (laughs) i have needs oh that's funny yeah so uh we're talking about birding so do you want to talk about black birders week because i thought that was awesome and i would love to hear what you have to say about it
1: yeah so a group of us um are in a group chat created by jason ward and anna gifty she pitched the idea to have like a week dedicated to black birders because of the incident that happened in central park with christian cooper and it was meant to create awareness and spread visibility and to show the public that representation matters and yes we are out here outdoors birding enjoying nature um and these spaces are not necessarily safe for us to be around and just to create that awareness and on the other side of that to show the younger generation um in the black communities that if they want to enjoy nature if they want to be in stem they should go for their dreams because um, we are also doing that here in the black community, like the older generation of us. Um, we're hoping to inspire them and create a safer environment for them.
2: Yeah, I, I think that that will succeed because man, it's just amazing. It's just like, I don't have all the right words for it. I just I just loved it. I don't know how else to say it. I, man, this is brilliant. And burning should be for everybody and nobody should have to feel unsafe and we need to just fix it
1: so um. yeah and I kept getting questions on like how can we help and what can allies do and really it's, it's pretty simple like if you see um, a person of color someone from the black community out on these trails if you say hi to everyone else say hi to them too. make eye contact they may not have binos they might be on their phones they could have an app But not everyone's carrying a field guide like make people feel, feel included. And on the other hand of that, if you see a racist act happening, and if you can't diffuse that, like stand up for um, the person being oppressed.
2: Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I never have the right words for things I want to say, but um, yeah, I don't have any words, I guess, except to do that because that is important.
1: Like solidarity is what's going to fix us at the end yeah. of it.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I want everybody to go birding because birds are awesome. And I want everybody to feel like they can go birding and then actually be able to do it and not have to worry about other things except what kind of bird that is.
1: Yes, that that, that is also our goal. That is my personal goal. I'm hoping to spread this message far and wide in Louisiana and I have other things planned up.
2: up my sleeve. Right. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: I'll push this initiative that we have started here. Yeah. So, good, good, good. Keep up with us in the future. Things are coming. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, you, you said you were fangirling over Katie Barnes. I'm really fangirling over you. Oh, <laughs>
1: like,
2: right. what you're doing is amazing. Your research is amazing. All the things you're talking about are amazing. And I know I said amazing like 70 times, but whatever.
1: Um. oh thank you I really appreciate it and I know we all appreciated the overwhelming and awesome amount of support that we got this week like none of us could have imagined like the support and just everyone pushing us on and like amplifying us oh my gosh it's so grateful it makes my heart so full I'm so happy and I'm pumped for like what's next
2: yeah, the reaction and I have, I've only really seen reactions like within Louisiana besides, you know, on Twitter in general. But like just within Facebook groups in Louisiana, there was like a schism that happened where like one group was like, "No, this is too political." And then a bunch of people left and were like, "Well, we're going to go to our own thing where this is just like things we need to talk about and fix because we want our activity to be inclusive and not, you know, be like a safe fig." And I was like, "Yeah, go people." <laughs> like yeah. All the people that think that this is a political thing, y'all need to just get your heads on right. And all the other people are awesome. And like, let's all do this together.
1: Yeah, I heard about that. I actually don't know any the details. So we don't have to share it on this. On that's this. all I know. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. Yeah, that's all I know <laughs> too. That is what I heard. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, yeah. people are starting to take that leap, that really big leap to make a change and stand up for what is right like this is our reality it is mm-hmm. not political in any way shape or form this is our lives yeah. and it's a fact um nothing about um ending racism is political right. so yeah I totally I'm agree. happy to see people taking a stand for that which gives me a lot of hope that we can really make mm-hmm. some changes out there
2: it it for sure made me proud of Louisiana, which is a place I'm not always proud of, because there's a lot of things that happen here. But I was like, yeah, like, look at all these awesome people just like doing something. Um, Because all the all the people that, you know, are standing for it now, they have like made this new group and are like speaking out. I, I, it's encouraging to see. And also, I think, myself included, that Previously, people didn't do anything because we didn't realize maybe that we needed to do something and not doing something is sort of like being complicit. But now I think that, and myself included, that there's like an awareness of like, oh, no, no, we should be doing things just like just not doing anything. So doing something and using whatever we have that we can uh, is, is the tide's turning. And that's awesome. And myself included in that. That's, yeah. that's what I was
1: trying to say. I've been seeing some really cool um, postage out there, and like silence is consent, basically.
2: Yeah.
1: If you're not standing up against racism and being anti racist, then you are supporting racism. And racism never magically went away, it right. just looks different these days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That everyone is standing up for it and there's like louisiana has a ton of peaceful protests happening Mm -hmm. and it's really great to see
2: yeah for sure yeah and that was not something i ever knew until like i don't know the last six months which is embarrassing because i'm 35 i feel like i should know better but i it's like it's dumb that stuff like that isn't taught as you know as you're growing up and and I, I need to educate myself. And I, I see that this is like a, a ball that's now rolling and like this is happening, Like, okay, good.
1: I've been getting a lot of that where people didn't realize how bad it was and um, just seeing everyone educating themselves and like really reading into um, all the different um, resources that are out there. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. this is how we are going to change the narrative
2: for yeah.
1: sure.
2: Yeah, and it's, it can be uncomfortable, right? And people don't like to be uncomfortable. People don't like to think that they've been doing something wrong by doing nothing, you know, and they haven't like actively done the wrong thing, but but like not doing the right thing. You've done the wrong thing. Um, And people just don't like to be uncomfortable or like confront that their own behaviors like not everybody's comfortable doing comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess. So we need to just sit in that discomfort and figure it out and you know learn more educate ourselves there's like I said loads of resources I personally learn from reading because then I have the time to like process it um and it like really sinks in that way uh that's just how I learn um like, all right things are changing at least at least people are aware of it now I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah. I know nothing has like actually changed you know in reality but like the mood I guess has changed so that I don't know if that's the right word to say, but right. that's how it seems from my from my perspective anyway.
1: Yeah, the movement has it. started.
2: Yeah. And I think people having these conversations, even they know they're uncomfortable, that's a that's a solid step. There's mm-hmm. lots of steps after that, but that's a solid one. Yeah,
1: for sure. And we're hoping that um, Black Blackbirders Week also just helped push that just a little bit forward yeah.
2: and in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, I certainly did. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Cause like I told you this in our Twitter messages, like birding is a weird thing. Like birds are awesome, but like birders on the whole are not always super inclusive to a lot of people, which is stupid because birds are awesome. And everybody starts somewhere. Like everybody learns their first bird at some point in their lives. Um, we don't all just like magically know this information, but in like fostering a sort of like sense of belonging and education and like we'll just make the whole endeavor better uh for everybody and then also we have all these other things to fix as as well you know not to diminish that but like there's a lot of things to fix but also it just like people just don't be dicks
1: like let's start there for everyone listening you can't see me applauding back here and nodding my head really really fast but that's what i've been doing that whole time just just making that
2: clear (laughs) yeah that's i mean we talked about this a little bit as well. Like my experience birding like people were just mean because i'm a you know a newbie i don't know what i'm doing i mis a bird like oh my god it was appalling It was the end of the world as far as the listserv is concerned just like or the reaction could be just like maybe let's just be nice to this person who's new and like made a common mistake yeah like help them
1: out to understand where they went wrong in a nice way yeah Yeah. that was actually the really that was it for me. That's the reason why I said I didn't want to go into the ornithology ornithology field was because I'd encountered very not nice birders. And I was like, nope, I want nothing to do with it. I am going over here with the herpetologist. And when you go herping, it's just so much fun. Like (laughs) I have never had a negative, I'm not saying that no one's ever had a negative encounter on herping, but that's where I got like, a ton of positive feedback and that's what drew me in and the same thing could happen in the birding
2: community. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah it's like even if this person might be you know the top expert in whatever like you can still be excited that someone saw their first cardinal or blue jay or whatever even though it's a common yard bird they're still excited so just be excited and let them be excited and foster all of that so I don't understand why that's so hard for some people. That's really weird if people don't
1: get excited over common yard birds because they're freaking awesome. They're cool. Yeah.
2: yeah, those are the birds people see the most often, you know. We spend most of our time in yards or in cities or whatever and it does that's that <laughs> but people don't do that. And maybe I haven't birded in ten years. So maybe those people don't do that anymore, but I bet they do. Well, you're
1: gonna get out there and you're gonna go foster some awesome connections. <laughs> Cause we need more people like you out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I I kind of wish that, you know, Rachel 10 years ago had not cried in her apartment when somebody was mean to her, instead had been like, well, no, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. But I wasn't that personality 10 years ago. I didn't have, I didn't have it in me in grad school to also like stand up for that, you know, like, I was just like, I'm just trying to survive and birds are cool. Leave me alone. Right.
1: And I mean, that's, I think that's true for a lot of the younger generation. Like, I still have a really hard time standing up for myself. So yeah, like, like, if, you, if you see that happening just like stand up for the person
2: yeah you don't yeah want to and,
1: voice no enough. for
2: sure it definitely does and a lot of times when someone confronts someone else in person like i mean my reaction is just shut down and that's got to be common for a lot of people i'm just like in an hour later i'm like oh i should have said this and this but you know when you're being like confronted it's hard to process that and like fight back i guess that's not really the right word but
1: yeah like just to even give a response back that is constructive um yeah for sure i get i'm exactly the same way
2: <laughs> yeah, not just like okay and try not to cry because that's what i did <laughs> yeah. yeah oh birds are awesome people just don't be dicks this is this is the moral of my story i guess yes
1: <laughs> that should be the title
2: <laughs> okay it can be the title i can do whatever i want <laughs> love it Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I, I think what y'all are doing is awesome. And I'm going to, you know, amplify it any way I can and use whatever I can to, to help fix um, because the system is broken and needs to be fixed. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are awesome. I think what y'all are doing is awesome as well. And I know I said awesome a lot, but I just do that. <laughs> yeah. I have a random question that's sparked by the painting behind me. I hope you can see it. Ooh, is
1: that a swallowtail kite?
2: it is that's my favorite bird uh what's your favorite bird is it the pelican
1: i feel like i have i have to say pelican but my favorite okay. passerine. i'll give you my favorite is Ooh. a rose-breasted
2: okay. fake Ooh, yeah they're cool i i i don't know if you've ever thought about them this way i always picture them having just murdered something <laughs> <laughs> like and they're just like happy and dripping with blood even though i know they aren't
1: (laughs) i love all the different stories that people have made up i think i saw one that um someone was like oh they spilled like strawberry jam all over themselves like i love all of those stories it makes my day
2: (laughs) yeah it's just like such a silly thing to imagine this pretty little bird like being a little like i don't know murderer (laughs) yeah I don't know, mice, so they don't even eat mice. <laughs> I don't know what.
1: Like this evolution made it so that this bird has this like target <laughs> right <laughs> on his chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs>
2: survival of the
1: fittest, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, they're cute. I like them. Uh ah uh, I don't know if I if I had to pick a favorite like warbler, it'd be profanitaries. Um, I also just have a hard time picking telling warblers apart once they get to be, you know dark up top and yellow underneath i don't know at that point i need a book
1: warblers are hard oh wait have you seen the sibley app
2: uh no i don't think i have
1: game changer thank you jason for um recommending it to me there oh okay so you if you're like a beginner birder like myself out there the sibley version 2 app you can actually put your state the month and it will only pick up it'll only show you the birds that are in your location which is a lot more helpful than having all the birds in north america that you could see at least for me it's really helpful just yeah for sure let me narrow it down a little bit (laughs) right yeah you can compare birds on this app which is like awesome because it's really hard to like flip through a field guide and like see two different birds at the same time but it's on it'll split screen it and show you all the different plumage um variations and i'm like thank you (laughs) that's
2: brilliant
1: yeah Yeah. no
2: that's cool no i haven't seen that i haven't branched beyond my 15 year old Kaufman that i dropped in the water one time so it's all crinkly (laughs)
1: if if anyone out there can like spare the 20 dollars, i think this is a really good app
2: yeah that's awesome i'm gonna have to look into it uh when i start birding again Actually, been wanting to go out to the Sherbermawick Mansion area, um, which is between me and you, um, but because just because I want to swallow some kites more than anything else. Uh, but I haven't gotten myself to like get off the couch and go do that because it has to be outside, you know, during the day. And yeah. i don't want to. <laughs> Have to go at like six in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm up, but just the inertia is strong when, on the weekends when I have to be in the field. Yeah. Was well, there anything else you want to talk about? Um or share or whatever. I've I've run out of things on my list, but I'm open to talk about whatever.
1: Um, I would love to plug um our Twitter page, which yes, is please. Black AF in STEM. We also have a list on Twitter that is Black AF in STEM. Those are um all of our um co-founders and co-organizers are on there. You should go follow them. They're awesome people. And um if you have donations out there and want to support a Black business, Backyard Base Camp has um, taken uh, BIPOC children out into nature, and they provide all the resources to make that happen. So That's awesome.
2: I only heard about them because of y'all, and I was like, oh, this is
1: amazing. Oh, and I know the founder. She's awesome. Nice. <laughs> Tia is great. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate you so much for doing this and willing to go along with my crazy podcast scheme and sharing everything that we talked about. Yeah, thank you so much
1: for having me. I really appreciate it too. This was so much fun. <laughs> yes.
2: So if you're down for this and open to it, whenever we can like bird together, we should totally go birding.
1: Um. Yeah, I've actually, okay, before Corona, I would go to Baton Rouge like once a month just uh-huh. for dinner, So we could just make a whole uh-huh. day.
2: yeah we could go to bluebonnet swamp and i come to lafayette actually fairly regularly just only an hour away yes
1: let's do it that'll be so much fun you are awesome i'm excited to go like we have to make this happen now
2: yes (laughs) yes yes we can definitely make it happen uh yeah i'm not gonna forget this is gonna be a thing we're gonna do because because birds are awesome yes
1: (laughs) and we have to stop people from being dick
2: Yes, exactly. That's really, like, life rule number one. I use it for everything. Like, a dick. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm gonna let you go. But this has been amazing. You're fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: Well, yes, it was so nice meeting you. I hope to talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you too. Hey, y'all. It's Rachel here. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chuita. Um, There's a couple takeaways. Number one, birds are awesome. Uh, baby pelicans are adorable, and if you want to see a video of that, Juwita has it pinned on her Twitter as of this morning, which will be uh, yesterday when this episode comes out. So you should go check it out. They look like little baby dinosaurs because that's what they are. They're dinosaur floofs. Um, yeah, so if you want to follow Juwita, her handle's at Juita Martinez uh, on Twitter, or if you want to go follow Black AF and STEM, that's their handle at Black AF and STEM. Uh, They are sharing all kinds of cool stuff. And if you missed Black Birders Week, you should just go back and read it all because it's all amazing. Um, And I want to say that talking about race is uncomfortable, but we can't fix it if we just pretend like nothing's happening and just try to be comfortable. So we need to step into that discomfort zone and use whatever sort of platform and power and ability or sway or whatever that we have that we can to fix the system because the system's broken and not just for birding but for the whole system is broken because it will I mean the system was designed that way so let's we need a new system because the system sucks and it's just not okay so use whatever you have to fix to fix that because There's lots of things that are wrong, but in particular to this episode, um, I personally want birding to be safe and inclusive and available and accessible to anyone who wants to participate because birds are awesome and being outdoors is awesome. And if someone wants to enjoy that, I want them to be able to enjoy that. So I will use whatever I have to fix it and I encourage you to do the same. And if you want to talk about this, uh, find me on Twitter, my handle is at FlyingCypress because it's uncomfortable, but nothing gets fixed by being comfortable. So um, I think that's the last thing I have to say about that. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you learned a lot about pelicans and enjoyed this conversation. So uh, yeah, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing uh, today's storyteller. And if you want to find out more, I share a bunch of information and resources from every storyteller over on the podcast Facebook page. So go find us and like us. It's called Storytellers of STEM on Facebook. You can also find the same information and stuff on my Twitter at Flying Cypress, F-L-Y-I-N-G-C-Y-P-R-E-S-S on Twitter. I'll share all kinds of information and resources from each storyteller over there. Um, And if you would like to be on the podcast, I'm always looking for STEM storytellers. So if you have a story you'd like to share, uh, message me on Facebook or Twitter or check out my website, rachelvelani.com slash podcast. And there's a submission form and it will send info to me and then I will get in touch. So if you want to be on the podcast, hit me up. Thanks for listening.